Well, good morning. Isn't this kind of cool today? I mean, I don't know if I'd want to do it every Sunday, but I, I think it looks kind of cool today. Um, hey, thanks for coming today. Um, you know, I'm so proud of our church. Um, just want to tell you that. Over the last couple of weeks, we have, um, golly, we, we've, God's used us to serve over 1,700 meals to people from Tulsa, Owasso, Claremore. Thank you for serving. Um, this weekend, uh, oh my goodness, um, what an incredible weekend it's been. Tonight's the fourth night of, of, of sold-out performances of the Christmas Carol. What, Casey has, Casey, oh my goodness, well done, well done. Um, and uh, Helen DeClue and all these costumes and um, it's incredible, our tech team and uh, and then, you know, we had to get ready for Sunday and so our tech team's here at 7 a.m. this morning getting Lucinda's team cleaning this room after we fed 500 people here last night in this place and and uh, Rhonda Cole, I, I mean, I walked in the door at 7 today. Rhonda has cooked everything, and, and she's back in the back doing all the screen. I was like, it's about time you start serving the Lord, Rhonda, um, <laughs> around here. Um, but just so many, thank you. And then on December 18th, our chorale's doing a thing. We're going to have four candlelight services on Christmas Eve. And, and then we get to have worship on Christmas Day. Hope you join us on that day. It's going to be fun. Um, but, man, just the Lord is... Uh, used you as a church. Tim Keller is a, a Presbyterian guy that I like, and uh, um, I guess I like other Presbyterian people too, but he's one of them I like. Uh, no, not slamming Presbyterians today. But um, he, he, he quoted, he had a quote that I thought was really good. He said, if your church suddenly vanished from your community, would anybody notice and would they care? And, and that's a great quote. That's a great statement. It's a great thought because I, I've thought about that. And I, I, I'm thankful that God is using us to be a, a church in this community that we're, we're present. And, and I just want to say to you how proud I am of you and how, how thankful I am for you. Because I've watched people serve this weekend and served last week, and I, I just want to say, well done. And um, we've heard conversations. I mean, Nick was telling me just between services that uh, he heard a gospel conversation at the table last night. Uh, just a natural gospel conversation. I, I'm, that's awesome. And uh, I'm just so so thankful. You know, God's called us as a church. Our purpose statement, we say this, that we're called to love all people to Christ and equip them on their journey with God and one another. And I see you doing that. Thank you. You know, a lady came up to me last night and said, um, she goes, I don't go to church here. And, and this is what I've been amazed at. The, let's, let's think about in the last two weeks, the number of people that don't go here that we've been either, either in their living room giving them food or they've come to have dinner with us. It's unbelievable the number of guests that have walked in our door or that we have connected with that don't go here. And a lady came up to me last night and said, I don't go to church here, but, 
but your church helped me start the Christmas season, and I want to thank you. I thought that was just a blessing. So thank you for noticing people, and, and, and you know, um, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. And what I want us to do is to allow God's Word to help us navigate the noise of Christmas, because the reason we're doing what we're doing is, at, uh, you know, is to help people see Jesus. And that, that's what, what I pray for. And what I pray that God allows us to do this morning is to, that he uses his word to help us navigate the noise and really see Christ and what Christmas really means. And, and what's, what's interesting about the Bible and what's important to recognize about the Bible is we don't worship the Bible, but um, we see the Bible as a special revelation of God. And it's in the Bible that God reveals himself he reveals his will. He reveals his plan. He, 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 uh, he reveals his purpose for you and me. And, 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 and God uses his word in a, in a miraculous way. And, 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 and with the revelation of God in mind, my, my prayer this Christmas is that God allows us to see Christ like he's been revealed in the scriptures. And Christ has been revealed all through the scriptures as prophet, as priest, and as king. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, is we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but what I want us to do over the next few minutes is really put a magnifying glass on Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. So would you stand with me and let's look at this passage. And as we look at it, I want you to think about today, and I feel like I think God is moving us to consider Jesus as prophet. Okay, so keep that in your heart and your mind. And, and let's keep your Bibles open here because we're going to put a magnifying glass on this. Verse 1, long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he holds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now, keep your Bibles open here because I want us to really put a magnifying glass on this passage of Scripture. And, 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 And here's the thing. God has revealed himself all through history. Um, in, 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 the old, in the Old Testament, it's interesting how God uh, created, and we see these three distinct offices in the Old Testament. You see the office of prophet in the Old Testament. And, and a prophet, what, what, what a prophet has done all through history, a prophet was charged to, to speak God's word to, to people. He was also charged to mobilize God's people. That was the calling of a prophet. A priest, 
a priest was called to offer sacrifices for the people, for sins, and, and, and offer prayers and, and praises in these daily interactions with God, um, guiding God's people. And a priest was kind of this mediator between God and man, and that's what a priest was. And you, you see these all through the Old Testament. You also see kings in the Old Testament. You see the, the king was, this, was tasked with ruling over the people of God, kind of standing it for the, for the children of Israel, the kings were kind of this, this um, representative of God, representative of God. And, and you see these, the, and, and, and when you look at these Old Testament offices, what they really are, it's kind of a foreshadowing of Christ. And, and we see this over and over again. And, and Jesus, when he entered the world, he came as a prophet. And, and let's, let's think about this. Uh, um, look at verse 1. Um, long ago, at many, many, excuse me, at many times, and in many ways, notice this, God spoke. Well, let's, let's, let's put a magnifying glass on that for a second. God spoke. Oh my goodness, God spoke to us. God spoke in the world. And, and let me tell you something. If God would not have spoken, we'd be in some trouble, some serious trouble. But God spoke. And then this is something that's so important for us to like, contemplate and think about, that, that, that when God spoke, what did he do? He, he revealed his power. He revealed his love for us. He revealed his plan of redemption for us. He, he, he gave us his word. He opened our eyes, and, and, and he showed us that there's a, there's a path to eternal life. There's a door to eternal life. God spoke. And, and, and right here, the, 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 the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who he is, but, but, but he, we get to see something bigger than general revelation. You see something bigger than that. You know, this, this week, I, 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 on the way to OBU, I, I preached in chapel at OBU this week and on Wednesday. And on the way, I, I, a guy went with me that has been coming to our church. And um, he, uh, we, we were talking about general revelation, looking up at the stars and, and seeing that, that God has generally revealed himself to us. I, I had this professor at seminary that, um, um, uh, that was really interesting. He, he was kind of weird. He, uh, um, he, he liked to blow up stuff, right? I like, like, I'm not talking just like little stuff. Like he had a special like permission to buy serious explosives to go out in the country and blow up like big stuff. I think he needs counseling, but, uh, but he, he, he liked to do that. That was a hobby of his. How many of you think that sounds super cool, right? Yeah, I know it's pretty cool, but, but I'm glad he loves Jesus because that could be real problematic in life. Um, but, um, but like he would go blow up stuff and uh, he would tell us about it. And we're like, dude, that's crazy. And, and, you know, we've all been at the 4th of July, right? And we've set off fireworks, right? Well, me and this guy were talking about general revelation that, that man, God has revealed himself. It blows my mind that there are people in the world that think that the world just happened by an explosion. Nobody's ever blown something up and go, oh, look how orderly that is. Oh, that's, that's neat how that formed such 
purpose. No, blowing up something is destruction. It's chaos. And you know, generally, it doesn't take um, too much intellectual sweat to look at the stars in the sky and go, you know what, there's a designer here. There's a, there's a first mover here. There is, there is something behind all of this creation and all that we see. Now, uh, there, there's an argument for design in the universe. It goes like this, that, that, that you know, we see natural bodies that are, and, and we see rain and storms and, and the earth, and we see that, that there's a goal with all those things. Right? They're, they're moving towards a goal. And, and, and you know, but when you look at natural things like the ocean and the stars and the sky, these things don't have knowledge in and of themselves, but, but there's a designer behind it. It's kind of like I like to go hunting. I'm not very good at it, but I like to go. And, and it's kind of like if you see an arrow going through the woods, it's not rocket science to recognize there's an archer. When you look at creation, you see this design of it, and there's a designer. There's a creator. It's logical to, rec- to recognize that there's a God. But you know what's amazing about God? God spoke. He spoke and gave us specific things. He gave us specific knowledge that if we didn't have, we'd be in trouble. Look at this. God did not just speak generally, but we see right here God spoke specifically. Look at verse 1. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, the prophets um, is a way God used to speak to humanity. And, and, and if you've looked at your Bible closely, you can recognize in this video that we saw earlier as the, as the crowd was coming down, kind of gave us this run through the Old Testament all the way to the point of Jesus. Let's consider two of the prophets that, that came into the world. Noah was a, was a prophet, right? I mean, when my kids were born, Robin was like, I love my children. I, 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 we're going to decorate the nursery with Noah's Ark. And I was like, that's awesome, honey. We had animals, the destruction of the world. This is going to be great for our kids <laughs> as they grow up knowing the Lord. But Noah was a prophet. And consider how the people responded to Noah. I mean, I mean, Noah would walk around, hey, I'm going to build a boat. Hey, and they'd be like, what? You knothead, Noah. Are you kidding me? That's not real. It ain't going to rain. This ju- judgment of God, what? Give me a break, Noah. Think how relevant that is to to us as we kind of bring 2022 to a close. How many people around us hear prophetic words and go, ah, come on, are you serious? You take that seriously? You really think that Bible thing is real? You think that's kind of going to happen? Give me a break. We're, we're modern around here. But think how people responded to the prophets. Uh, how do you respond to prophetic words? Uh, consider Jonah. Now, Jonah was an interesting prophet. He didn't like, he didn't want to be a prophet. He was mad about it. He, yeah, I mean, I think about Noah, uh, Jonah, and, 
And man, how many people in, like, I'm thankful that we're, we're a church that's like, let's go share the gospel. Let's, let's do that like we did this weekend. Uh, Jonah, Jonah was like, I don't want to go to the Ninevites. I don't want to go there. I don't like them. God, you're going to be gracious to them. So what did, what did Jonah do? He took off. He ran. He, 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 he forsook his responsibility. He chunked his responsibility. He said, I'm not going to do that. That's not a good idea, right? For any follower of God that knows better, we're to, we're to not keep the message of the gospel of God to ourselves. And Jonah finally got obedient. He reluctantly went to the Ninevites. And look how the Ninevites responded. Now, I think the Ninevites just totally messed up in the, in the upcoming generations. But for that generation, they looked at Jonah and said, we, we believe you. And they repented and you see that whole generation of Ninevites right there, they, they, they followed God. They listened to the prophet. Uh, I think it's interesting how some people, when it comes to the prophetic messages, would respond like the people in the time of Noah and kind of reject it, and that's stupid. Some, some are wise to respond. Jonah's interesting because you know, Noah was obedient to God. God, I'm going to do this even though it's hard and even though there's opposition. Jonah was like, I'm bailing on my responsibility. Interesting responses to prophetic messages from God. Interesting. But when I think about Jesus as a prophet, let's think about what Jesus came doing. As a prophet, what do you, what do you announce? Jesus came and announced the end of sin came to announce that. He, Jesus came to confront us as a, as a prophet. He, he got in our way. He, he, he stood as a mouthpiece of God. And, and what's interesting about, about Jesus is he called us to repentance. This is what he did. This was one of the reasons he came. He entered the world. And so I'm asking this question not at you, but with you. Are we willing to submit to the prophetic voice of Jesus. Now, Jesus is a, is a special revelation. When, when Christ entered the world, it was a big deal. Like, honestly, when, when, when Christ entered the world, it was uh, God's special revelation was given, a, given to us, really, in, you could argue, two stages. The first stage was this, the prophet spoke and said, hey, Jesus is coming. And Isaiah, he, would, he was uh, getting a partial revelation of God. When you, when you think about all these messages that were coming, it was the, 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 the prophets, the sages, the priests, they were getting these messages. Isaiah said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brings us peace is on him. By his wounds we are healed. Okay. But then Jesus comes. And Isaiah's partial message is there. And then Jesus comes and fulfills it. And guess what? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we've been healed. And it's interesting, as you look at the Old Testament prophets, what they were doing is they had these partial messages looking forward at a time that the Messiah would come. Here we get to live at the time in the history of the world where we look backwards and go, oh my goodness, Jesus entered the world. I think it's very interesting. Look at verse two. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. 
And it's important to recognize that, that it's through the Son that God clearly speaks to us. He spoke, I mean, think about the ways God spoke in history. He spoke to, in a storm, of, in thunder, through Moses. He, he, he spoke in a still, small voice to Elijah. The priests got these messages from the Lord as they, as they were interceding for, for God's people for sin. And, and you have prophets and sages and singers in the, in the book of Psalms that were singing these songs and giving these messages from, from God. But then Jesus came and we got to see it. We got to see it fulfilled. We got to see it right up close and personal in the flesh. And it's really interesting. Look at verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And notice what it says about him. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created, created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins. Let's, let's just stop right there and put a magnifying glass on this. I want us to notice seven facts, seven incredible reasons why we should pay close attention to the prophetic voice of Jesus. So very interesting. Look at the first thing he says in, in um, the middle of verse 2. He's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. This Jesus that came that was born in a manger, it says that, that he's the heir of all things things. You know, this, this is like an echo of Psalm 2.8 that says, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the end of the earth your possessions. I think about Jesus being the heir of all things. And that causes me not to worry about my life. That causes me not to stress about the things that I need or, the, or the, the burdens that I feel on a daily basis because the king that we serve, the, 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 the Lord of my life, is the heir of all things. The reason I want to pay attention to the voice of God, the call of God, the, the, uh, the messages from Jesus, he's the heir of all things. He's spoken, God has spoken through his son. That's what it also says. The, the, put a magnifying glass on this. Through whom he created the world. It, it, was, it was through Jesus that God made the universe. Wrap your head around that for a second. That it was Jesus, that Jesus was there when the universe was made. I mean, we know Colossians 1.16. That says this, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So this Jesus that entered human history, he, he was there. He, he made the universe. Oh my goodness, we ought to pay attention to what he says, right? That's, that's a pretty good resume right there. Like, like when I think about the, the questions that I have about eternity and about creation and about life, I'm, I'm thinking, well, 
hey, I want to pay attention to the one who made the universe. That's who Jesus is. Notice how this goes on. It says about Jesus, how God has spoken to us by his son who um, is the radiance of the glory of God. Think about that. It's Jesus, this this baby that then grew like um, Luke 2.52. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It's Jesus who's the radiance of the glory of God. I've tried to think about how do I illustrate this. And I I don't know. How How do I describe to you the glory of God? The best I can do is Lean into Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 saw the, he saw, Isaiah saw the glory of God. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. I think it's interesting. Isaiah was sad. It was a tough time. He was, he was weeping. He was grie- grieving over the loss of, of his king. In the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. Man, I, I I've I've seen this. I've I've experienced that in the toughest times of my life, that's when God is the clearest, has been the clearest to me. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah said he was high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. Seraphs are these angelic creatures that were, he says, above him were these seraphs. Um, with each with six wings. With two wings, they were covering their faces. With two wings, they were covering their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Uh, and, and Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Have you ever been in a, in a place in the world where you're like, oh my goodness, that's beautiful. That is just captivatingly beautiful that you can't speak. You're just going, I just gotta look at it. Isaiah saw the glory of God. He said, the whole earth is filled with this glory. It makes me think about this conversation I had with Mike on the way to Shawnee as we were talking about the general revelation and he and looking into the stars and how how if you look at the stars and and and, and how vast it is how big it is and how we we keep inventing things to to look deeper into space and mankind keeps going whoa this is really big man and they keep coming up with theories but you know I think it's a simple theory I think it's God just creating this world going I just want you to get a glimpse of my glory it's fascinating. I really do believe that there's not life on other planets. I don't think we're going to find that. I think God created the vastness of space just to cause us to go, oh, you're glorious. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And when you look at Jesus, that's why you can't miss him. That's why we got to look through the noise and go, let's not miss that Jesus came. And when you look at Jesus, you see the glory of God. So very cool. goes on. He's the very image of the essence of God. 
the imprint of his being. When you look at Jesus, you know what you see? You see the imprint of the being of God. So very fascinating. It reminds me of a quarter. On a quarter, I forgot to bring one today. I had one out and I left it at home. But if you look at a quarter, what do you see? Whose face do you see? See the imprint of George Washington, right? And and that's that's a that's the imprint of him. You know what? When you look at Jesus, you know, you know what the world got to see? The in the flesh imprint of God. That's what you see. And man, look, look at what else it goes on. It goes on. He upholds all things. How? By his enabling word. Just his word that is enabling. And, and, I, and I'm so grateful for, for, for just the spoken word of God, the fact that God has spoken here. And, and he, 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 Colossians 1.17 comes to my mind, this fascinating philosophical verse that says, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And it's in Jesus. That's why I look at the world and, and, and I embrace the call to, to let the world know that you've got to see Jesus because it's, in, it's only in Jesus that all things are held together. Because you like you and I are the same. Life gets chaotic and, and we go through crazy times and times of stress and doubt and fear and sickness and difficulty. And I'm grateful that I've heard the prophetic voice of Jesus because it's in him that even in the chaos, everything's held together. And there's purpose. There's life. There's hope. There's peace. And, and I want you to think about Jesus. He holds all things together for you. Don't miss that. And then he goes on. He, he moves from the, the cosmic functions of the Son of God to his personal relationship that he offers. Notice this, that Jesus has made purification for our sins. He, he, he came proclaiming, confronting you that you're not okay, I'm not okay but then he provided the way to purify us from our sins. And this is why we can't miss Jesus. This is why we, we lean into the revealed word of God. We see that we, we listen to and pay attention to the prophetic voice of Jesus. And then look at the end of verse three. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's... It's Jesus himself who possesses all the qualifications to, to be our prophet, our priest, and our king. And this is who he is. And notice verse 4, it's just very interesting. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And this is so very interesting. Because, you know, we look at angels and we're like, oh, man, we, we, 
we, we revere the angels, and, you know, you, in, in, in Christmas time, we see more angels than ever, you know, and I, I think the precious moments people, God bless them, I don't think that's right, right? I don't think, I don't think uh, uh, like, if a precious moment showed up in my house, I wouldn't be like, hey, what's up? You know, I wouldn't be that nervous. Well, maybe I would be. It might kind of freak me out if that happened. But, but, but when an angel shows up, we always hear the same thing, right? Except with Mary, which is baller, that Mary was, like, not afraid. But everybody else that saw an angel, the first thing the angel says is what? Don't be afraid. But it's Jesus that's superior to the angels. And let's consider the fact it was the angels that said, hey, 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 everybody, Jesus is coming. He went to the, it was the angels that went to the shepherds and said, Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to enter the world. It's Jesus that's going to come. And, and all you, let me point you to Jesus. Let's not miss the point of Christmas and the whole reason to borrow an old cliche that's annoying at some time. That sometimes the, he's the reason for this season. Right? But he really is. And, and when you look at Jesus, here's the, as the prophet, you know what, what we see is this prophet is the final word. Jesus is the final word. I don't need another revelation. I don't need a, another prophet. Jesus is the final word. That's why we we see the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus. You see the New Testament looking back to Jesus. And you see how important it is for Christ as the final word. And this Christmas, I don't want to miss the prophetic voice of Jesus. Now, if you're following in our notes, you might be thinking, boy, I better get comfy because Chris hasn't even hit a note yet. But I am going to fly through this because it was somewhat intentional. But you know what I pray? That we don't miss his voice. And we allow the prophetic voice of Jesus to move us, to shape us. And when I think about the prophetic voice of Jesus, we, we hear from him that Jesus came into the world to deal with the problem of sin. That's why he came. He came into the world to confront us, to get in our way. Like those prophets all through history got in the way of people saying, look, you're not okay. Notice Isaiah 1. O sinful nation, O people weighed down with iniquity. You know that's what sin does? Sin weighs us down. Rebellion against God is not a path to freedom. And, it, and it's, it's crazy to me as I, as I interact with people that go, why are you a Christian? You follow all those rules. And man, I don't want to follow rules. What are you talking about? No, we follow Christ. And yes, Christ moves us to obedience and to, and to spiritual disciplines. But, but you know what? Uh, the weight of sin is a weighs you down. The weight of sin is wearisome. Disobedience to God will produce weariness in your life. 
And that's the lie that the enemy has come to tell us. And that's why Jesus came and said, no, look, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yeah, I, I think it's true. Like what I said at OBU on, on Wednesday, I got up in front of these 700 students that were at the school and I said, hey, look, following Jesus will rarely be safe. It will often be uncomfortable. And there are times that it's not going to be incredibly easy. But it's an adventure you don't want to miss. But when I compare that to the weight of sin, oh my goodness, following Christ is a joyful adventure in the midst of the struggle. Especially when the story is written. But let me tell you something. Isaiah says, O people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children, they've abandoned the Lord. They've despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on Him. Can I just say to you, listen to the prophetic voice of Jesus and don't turn your back on Him. So many people through history have just turned their back on, on the prophetic voice of God. Don't. Matthew one twenty one says she will give birth to a son. And you're to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus the prophet confronts us. And he entered the world to confront us that we're not okay without him, that we need him. And that's one of the reasons Jesus entered the world as a prophet. Second thing, if you're just looking at our notes here, Jesus entered the world as the living word of God. Jesus was the living word. This imprint of the glory of God, this, he was the living word. And you know what he, what he proclaimed? Like a faithful prophet, he proclaimed to the world that a pardon is available. You don't have to stay in your sin. You don't have to stay with this weight on you. That there's a pardon available. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and, and, the, and the, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isaiah 41 and 2 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of hard service is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned. And she received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I want you to know something. Jesus came to announce, to proclaim. Jesus as a prophet came to proclaim that there is relief for the burden of your sin. And that's true for you today. So when I think about point three, the only logical response to Jesus is to repent and believe on him. That's the only logical response. Folks, Jesus entered the world as a prophet. And he came with a message for the world. The message, a message for me, a message for you, a message for humanity all through history. So my question to you was consider Mark 1, 14 and 15, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. 
The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And do you know what's so very incredible about the prophetic voice of Jesus coming to the world? Is Jesus came proclaiming that the kingdom of God is near to you. But can I tell you, it's not automatic. It's like 1 Peter 2.10 says this, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I gotta ask you a question. Have you received mercy? Can we all come into the conversation that Nick overheard last night as a, two people were sitting in this room and a guy was saying to another guy, hey, let me tell you, you can't earn your way to heaven. That's why Jesus came. Because you can't be good enough. You can't do, do enough stuff. You can't give enough. You can't work hard enough. You gotta, you gotta believe in Jesus. Trust him. And he'll save you. Then... We start giving, working, serving. Jesus came so you would know him. So our mission challenge today is this. And Joe, I want you to come on up. Joe and Jamie are going to come up. But our mission challenge is this. Can I ask all of us to consider our posture What is your posture to the prophetic voice of God? Because when I think about all through history and the way people responded to prophets, most of them responded like this. I don't, I don't like your message. I don't want your message. What's your posture like? Are you hearing the prophetic message? And are you going to respond like the Ninevites? Let me tell you something. If we lived at the time of Jonah, and someone said, hey, thousands of years from now, these followers of Jesus will some follower of Jesus will get up and tell you to respond like the Ninevites. They'd be like, what are you talking about? But those Ninevites responded to the prophet and said, I believe you and I'll follow. Jesus is the prophet, the, the complete fulfillment do you follow him? Can, can I challenge us to align our lives to the prophetic voice of Jesus? That means we line up with his voice. Is your, is your life 
aligned with his voice. I got to tell you, that's an adventure you don't want to miss. That's a life you don't want to miss. That's an eternity you don't want to miss. Let's not miss Christ this Christmas. He's a prophet. Let's follow him. Now we're going to have an invitation, and I know it's like kind of cumbersome today. And I thought about, man, do I not give an invitation today? And I'm like, oh, no, of course we give an invitation today. Every day, every, every Sunday. Barriers, no problem. Because every time God's word is preached, we can't help but respond. Every time we read it, we can't help but respond. So let's respond. Maybe you need to get on your knees and pray, and maybe you need to just quietly say, I need to align my life to Jesus. Maybe you need to come to Christ today. Maybe today God has just opened your eyes and your heart. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. To help you walk with Jesus and follow him and see him. So align your life to him today. Father, would you lead us? Would you move us in this moment right now? I love you, Lord. In your name. Amen. Would you